Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, a boutique real estate firm that is home to over 30 real estate sales and marketing consultants who service home buyers and home sellers throughout Boston, the South Shore, the South Coast, and Cape Cod. Our firm takes pride in assisting our clients in the next chapter of their lives by taking a holistic approach to their real estate endeavors. We believe that every move should be a moving experience. Every week, my real estate team member, Mary Baker, and I, along with the director of Boston Connect Real Estate, Melissa Wallace, provide you with our unique marketing approach to selling homes and share with you our expertise in navigating the home buying process. We like to mix it up sometimes, so not only will you hear our perspective on real estate topics, but you will hear the expert thoughts and opinions of some of our real estate agents at Boston Connect Real Estate and the preferred professionals that we trust. Be part of our roundtable. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts at Talk Real Estate Roundtable. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team or one of the dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate to discuss your real estate needs, you can connect with us at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And hello to all our South Shore neighbors. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. My name is Melissa Wallace and I am joined in studio with the one and only Sharon McNamara. Hello and good morning. Good morning. Uh, I wasn't caught eating my breakfast like I was last night. I Saturday. know, I know. Uh, you are like, how is, what's that saying? Bright, uh, bright, bright, bright eyed and bushy tailed. I don't know yeah. why. I'm, I'm very, I think maybe I'm just so tired that I'm like so awake. <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. I've been getting some really good nights sleeps lately so it feels good and we have tim obviously in our watd studio he is our favorite producer because we're pretty sure none of the other ones are listening right now <laughs> no, oh sorry. wow okay no 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 well, i'm kidding you. i'm kidding thank i just you. don't want to hurt their feelings i mean you know the truth off air right i mean seriously. Uh. <laughs> so we have tim in studio at watd we are here in our home studio right here in pembroke center uh, 19 madakisa street right across the street from stop and shop hey if you're listening and you want to see what it looks like to see our show in action come on over or you can watch us on facebook just don't Boston. bang on the windows yeah please. don't bang on the don't windows do no. <laughs> exactly don't make any noise yeah. as you come in the door, but you are welcome to come see our home studio here. Uh, we have a couple great guests with us today, too. You want to do the honors? Oh, okay. Well, so we have Joe Campbell, Hanson Planning Board Committee Chairman. Hello, Joe. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming. And you listen to us, too, right? I do. Yeah. That's how we met. That's how we <laughs> met. How how yeah, met. you called a couple of weeks ago. We were like, oh, someone's listening to us. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a great show. That's a great idea. Yeah, so, and here you are a couple weeks later. So anybody out there who wants to be on the show, just give us a call and you'll be on in a couple weeks. Your dreams come true. Your dreams come true. And we also have Judith Parks, which is Pembroke Affordable Housing Committee Chairman. Hello, Judith. Good morning, and thanks again for having me. Thank you for coming. And I want to say, too, with Judy, she's one of my favorite people in town. I mean, she she has quite the reputation of being, you know, you give so much. You really give so much to the town. 
Oh, so do you. <laughs> well, no, not not as much as you do. Because honestly, you've been on board, you've been on committees, you're volunteering, you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, and it's just for me, I just want to say, it's really been an honor to like be sitting with you on some of your boards and doing things with you. And I'm learning so much from you. So I really do appreciate that. And I appreciate you. Thanks so very much. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so right now I sit on the, um, well, I am on the committee for uh, affordable housing in the town of Pembroke. And Judy is the chairperson for that and Joe is on um, the Hanson planning board and we we have been talking about affordable housing on the affordable housing aspect of things for what we've been talking about is we need to do a show because I think that there are a lot of things that we need to clear the air on and sort of get away the what's the word like the voodoo word uh, of the stigma the, the stigma, stigma of a 40b like sure. right so I want to talk about that and then Joe you called in a few weeks ago and you had told us about, you know, the article that was passed, right? Was it an article or what was it? Article 33 of the recent uh, May town meeting. Yes. It was about uh, accessory dwelling uh, for uh, lots in Hanson. Perfect. Yeah, so I'm so excited to learn about that. My husband actually, Mark, um, he's probably listening this morning. Good morning, Mark. I love you. Um, he's getting ready. We're going to Chris Stapleton tonight. Great. So, yeah. So, um Anyways, <laughs> he's getting ready already. He is. He <laughs> 11 is. o'clock. Is, well, we're doing an open house after <laughs> this. As well. beard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he asked me this morning who was on and what we were doing, and he started asking me questions, and I was like. Well, that's why he's on the show. I don't know. Yeah, call in, Mark. <laughs> but I did say this morning is my favorite shows are the shows that I don't know the answers to, right? So a lot of times I'll ask questions. I already know the answer. It's for our listeners. But today I'm really here about learning. So if I ask too many questions, just slow me down. We just have to do a little housekeeping before we get started. So um, do you know the number of Broadway? So the Grady team has a listing over in Hanover? Yep, it's 280 Broadway in Hanover. It is back on market. Mm -hmm. So if you missed the opportunity to see this amazing house, Sharon and I have both seen it in person. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. It's a ranch um, in Hanover, uh, 280 Broadway. Right near Previty's, like yeah. right there, like when you're coming up the road to it. Yeah, yeah. it's gorgeous. So it's gorgeous. What time are they going to be there? Um, they're actually, they don't have a scheduled open house, oh, okay. um, They but it is back on market. So if you want to see it, um, you know, obviously call your agent. But if you're not working with an agent, call the Grady team directly. Um, and they're, uh, do, 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 do. hold on. That's okay. I'll talk while you're saying that. The yeah. house is beautiful. It is a ranch. Um, and... Um, Lots of great features, really nicely done. Yes, yeah. backyard. Tracy Grady's number is 617-620-8484. Um, but again, you can go to bostonconnect.com and find all of their contact information. It is a great house. Um, and again, if you missed the opportunity the first time mm-hmm. it was on, you know, here's your opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And it didn't fall apart for any particular reason. Um, it was probably yeah. like a little bit of buyer and moss type thing. Yeah. Which we talk about, we talk about this all the time. People uh, rush yeah. into things Kristen and, and then I just they have time to show. think about it. Kristen and I just did a show on this on Tuesday about why houses come back on the market. Yep. So, and here we are talking about and a house that came up back on, back yep. on the market. So. I also want to uh, give a little plug for, um, I believe it's Emmy Flaherty is uh, today and then tomorrow, same time from 9 to 11 at 
at 22 Raymond Ave in Pembroke. It is my listing. It's a small ranch, uh, and it was done over, so they did a nice job, you know, with paint and things like that. So uh, if you are in the area and you're looking for a small three-bedroom ranch, it's on for three seventy nine nine. Emmy Flaherty, full-time real estate agent here at Boston Connect Real Estate, will be there today, 9 to 11, and Kate Fisher will be there tomorrow, 9 to 11 as well. Obviously, Kate is a full-time real estate agent here at Boston Connect, too. Okay. And there and we go. Where are you going to be? Oh, and then today I am going to be, oh, Judy, you're going to love this one. Have you ever been in the Meadows? Any of the ones that's Kevin no, Sealand? I haven't. Actually. Come visit me today. They're so beautiful. I, it's And I sent Kevin Sealand. He's a builder in our area. Um, and he did the Meadows in I was 1996 or something. I don't even remember what year it was. Uh, so I have the Meadows. It's on. It is a two-bedroom, first floor, um, primary resi- um, suite with a full bath and everything. Nicely, nicely done has a finished lower level uh yeah so come see me when am i there 12 to 2 12 to 2 i'll today. be there 12 to 2 with mr Mac, mark mcnamara uh and that's on for 650 uh but i sent kevin a text and i was like kevin it's so nice to do like to have a resale that's one of your properties and it's timeless like his it's timeless elegance and i know that that sounds like something that i came up with for jet pt but it is not it really is good all right let's get on to our topic you go Okay, we're talking about affordable housing insights. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Take it from there. Take it from there. Okay, so the state of affordable housing. So what what's sort of the state of the affordable housing in Hanson, Pembroke, or any, like, local towns here we have mm-hmm. going on? Do you want to go first, Judy? Sure, I'm happy to go first because I've spent most of my career in, in affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, the state of affordable housing, period, in the Commonwealth is Disastrous. I mean, yep. let's just be honest. I mean, that's that is sort of the backdrop to where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and regionally, um, in the south on the South Shore, it's 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 dismal. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. I mean, the, when you look at what area median income is, you know, and you look at what the what the cost of rents are, and then you look at what the cost of you know land and building and and and, and existing houses are. There's really a great mismatch between that and income. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a real problem. So in Pembroke and surrounding communities, uh, 40B has been the vehicle that has really. Um, Increased inventory, but you have to understand that that affordable housing under 40B is very specific, and it's mm-hmm. usually geared to the higher end of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, people who earn usually over 80% of AMI, which is oh, plus $80,000 plus. Explain to everybody what AMI it's is. Area median that. income is mm-hmm. the is the amount of money that in, income that people have, and they mm-hmm. uh, HUD actually does these wonderful charts if you just Google HUD uh, AMI, mm-hmm. and it tells you what the area median income is, 60%, 40%. 30% is considered very low income, mm-hmm. um, and those are the people who typically live, um, if they get able to find something in public housing or with a Section 8 certificate, um, but other others, uh, higher AMIs are used for other kinds of housing, such as tax credit and, um, and a 40B type housing. So... And every town is different, too, right? So that's, I mean, when you're talking about that AMI, I mean, I probably, maybe I would uh, qualify for something in Cohasset. <laughs> well, actually, it's regional. It's regional. So yeah. the, the AMI for the South Shore is, mm-hmm. is, is much the same as Suffolk County. So yep. it's the same as Boston because we're in the Boston metropolitan area. Yep. So it's the same. It gets less when you go, you know, at the South Coast. You are to the Bristol. Berkshires. Bristol, mm-hmm. yeah, it gets it gets less there. Of course, the, the wages are are, are yeah, yeah. less, and that's really mm-hmm. the issue. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's, it's, a, it's an important number to, to look at because when you look at people who work in many of the jobs in our, in, in, even in local government, mm-hmm. they qualify under the um, 440B type developments or tax credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we want them to you know, live and stay in our town. So it's, mm-hmm. um, and there's not enough of that kind of housing available. And can you explain to people, too, and then we'll have Joe Soda uh, tell us more about Hanson as well. And then if anybody is listening and you have any questions about this topic or insight or anything, uh, please feel free to call in to the studio, 781-837-4900. We'd love to hear from you. And Joe did that a couple weeks ago, which is why he's here. The the process of a forty B don't we we don't want to get into the weeds with you know planning and zoning and all that other stuff, but you know the percentage that each town you know the state sure. it's the state regulate that wants every town right right so forty B is has been on the books for actually a very long time it was the anti snob zoning act and it actually came about with a with a church mm-hmm. built huh. on built housing years ago in one of the western suburbs. And, you know, it kind of sat dormant for a long time until land prices and housing prices started really skyrocketing back, particularly in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became a way for um, developers to to increase the supply of affordable housing and other housing um, by using this 40B statute to bypass local zoning and, and do all of that. The town, each town is required under the bio, under the statute to have 10% of its housing affordable. And that is state certified affordable. So it's not that I'm renting my house for a little bit less than yeah. maybe its market <laughs> value is. It has to be state certified. Yep. So therefore, there's a, there's a whole process for selling or renting that involves wait lists and, and advertising and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that is the number that is, is the benchmark. I just want to, I want to say one thing though, is that 10% is actually a very small number when you look at the number of people Mm -hmm. um, in our towns that that would qualify for housing built under that statute. So, for example, in Pembroke, we have decided we want to get to 15 percent, mm-hmm. which probably isn't enough anyway, but still it's, 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 it brings us above the 10 percent threshold and it provides opportunities for more more people to, to have mm-hmm. affordable housing and, <coughs> excuse me, um, and it also prevents, it gives the town more control over the permitting of these mm-hmm. things. I mean, the big pushback on 40B when the town is under 10% is that the, the developer essentially is holding the reins. Yeah. And um, while the town can mitigate some of the things, it's very difficult to stop a development, to really rein a development in um, if the town is not at the 40%, at the, t- the uh, 10%, 10%. Thre- threshold. When you get over the 10% threshold, you still use the 40B process, but the town at that point has the ability to say, you know, okay, we don't, we're not looking at anything over a certain density, we want certain setbacks, we want things on certain neighborhoods. The town has much more latitude in controlling and, and, and actually placing developments in that kind of development in places that they think appropriate. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it gives the town a, um, a real benefit yeah. to do that. And, uh, it's, and that's something that we as an affordable housing committee are really, really pushing, looking for mm-hmm. more friendly type oh 40Bs. Boy. And that was the question Joe had asked me earlier about like friendly 40Bs, and we can talk about that too but it's interesting too because anytime a 40b now i sat previously on zoning in pembroke you've been Mm -hmm. on zoning i've been on conservation um you know on a bunch of different committees and i it's always interesting to me that the 40b and the stigma like you said joe is not in my backyard 
it, it's always not in my backyard. And it's interesting because you called it, what, the anti-snob thing? Yes, yes. Right? But nobody wants it in their backyard. But people don't understand. And I think that this is what they should try to understand and not go to just the one meeting where everyone's yelling and screaming at each other, but through the whole entire process. If you're in a butter and understand the process, if you get to the point where it's no, then it's gonna, they're going to go to the state and they're just going to get yes. a yes. That's and then right. you have zero control over what happens. That's exactly right. So you're much better off you know, conditioning and, uh-huh. and trying to negotiate a 40B um, through the process of the zoning board than to say absolutely no. Because once you get to the state, the state is it's, it's very rare that a state overturns um, or sustains a, a, a no vote from a, from a ZBA. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to say, though, because I was on the zoning board for a long time, 20-plus years, mm-hmm. and... We permitted a lot of the 40Bs in Pembroke in the 1980s and 1990s. I'm giving my age out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but I have to, I, I actually feel really, um, really happy when I look around now that there's not as much stigma or opposition or real just, you know, angst over these 40B developments. I think people have understood that most of them are very nice developments. They're done by mm-hmm. professional developers. Um, some of them, some of them are investment grade property. Some of them are home ownership. Um, but that they have been neighbors just like everyone else, mm-hmm. and they really haven't diminished people's property value. They haven't, um, mm-hmm. you know, done terrible things to traffic or to the schools, which is another big, you know, yeah. topic for the plug for the over fifty-five. You know, yeah. um, so I think that that. The, People's uh, people's attitudes are changing, mm-hmm. and I think particularly as they look at their own children growing up and having families who cannot find a place mm-hmm. or afford a place to to, uh, to buy in in not only their own community but even neighboring communities yeah. mm-hmm. further out from perhaps where they live. Um, That's our wheelhouse, by the way, and Melissa in yeah. in particular, like she can't find anything in her price range as a single young professional. Right, you, she just can't. Yeah. And and what what is out there in her mm-hmm. price range? you would need a lot of money to renovate. Yeah. And what do you do? So yeah. what percentage is Pembroke right now? Let people know. It's about 9.6%. And we're in the process of, the, there's a, a development in the, in the ZBA process right now that will put the town over 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are a couple of other developers who have been talking to us, not with anything real definitive plans, but just, just some ideas about certain pieces of property in the town that, you know, we've we've been encouraging them to, you know, come to come to us with some ideas around mm-hmm. um, what, they, what they're proposing to do. One one of the things that we want to do, though, in our in these past forty past ten percent developments, is to look at our existing local zoning bylaws and use those as the as the baseline mm-hmm. for negotiating, um, you know, increased density for affordability and things like that, mm-hmm. so that we don't re- rewrite the zoning bylaw. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe. What, tell us what's going on in Hanson. I mean, so you're on the planning board. So you're seeing, are you seeing a lot of these? Are they going right to, they're going right to ZBA, right? They are. They yeah. go right to ZBA uh, with, with their plans uh, right from the get-go. And, and it, it does bring a stigma, as everybody says, the NIMBYs and things like that. You know, it's the, the reality of it is that we should really change the title of affordable housing. It, it should be more secure housing. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's security. Yeah. When you have a home, 
and you're secure in your home, you're able to invest in other things in your home because you have that security. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the families that we have in the surrounding towns here on the South Shore, you know, especially going through the pandemics or a recession, you know, as long as that bill is paid mm -hmm. for that mortgage or that rent, you know, you may forego a meal for yourself or for your family, you know, so yeah. it, really, it, it really is a huge factor. Yeah. So I myself feel calling it more secure housing than affordable changes possibly some of that stigma that's around. Yeah, and we've grown up in the city too, and I mean, this is no offense to any like because believe me I, I sit on this i would want to be on this board because i want to make a difference right but i grew up in dorchester and i feel when people hear 40b they're thinking of the old colony projects right. not the old colony projects of today but the old colony projects of the 80s and right. 70s and 60s right and i think that that's and i know that judy had just said that she thinks that the stigma has sort of gone but from our perspective it really hasn't we're in there. I have a forty. I have forty B developments, and the first question people will ask: Oh, is it a forty B? I'm all set. Some people will say, or they'll want to know which units are, and we can't tell. Right. And what happens? You have a developer that comes in. Uh, generally, developers work fairly well with the yeah. zoning portion, but every once in a while, you do have a developer that comes in that doesn't really have a feel of the land. That's very important when you're living mm -hmm. in a town and you're part of that town and you're vested in that community. To have a developer come in that doesn't have a feel of the land, doesn't have a boots on the ground attitude towards dealing with uh, abutters and the rest of the town itself, the impact to the town. Mm -hmm. When you have somebody that comes in that just uh, shirks that responsibility to to really understand the impact of what they're getting ready to do, uh, that's where you have a lot of kickback and you have a lot of citizens that will be engaged and get engaged. And a lot of times when you hear that no or you try to get that appeal to the state, a lot of wind is taken out of people's sails because it is a lengthy process. Mm -hmm. You know, But everybody should know there is an appeal process. There's an appeal process for a lot of the things that are, that are in as far as land use regulation. Uh, and you should always continue to, to interject. You can make a change. You can be impacting mm -hmm. for a benefit for the town and you as an abutter abutter you know the the affordable housing when you're talking about people asking you know which one's the unit that's the you know it, they're all built the same you mm -hmm. know it's just that it's just that the fair market units make up the price for the, mm -hmm. the, the subsidized units or yeah. subsidized better term that's a section yeah so but so or for the 40b units you know mm -hmm. so it, it's uh but it, it when you get friendly b development when you get a, a developer or a builder that's invested and understands the impact uh, that's where it's a great symbiotic relationship and everybody benefits in that, in that aspect i think yeah well, i agree and i think also we we've had our share of um Night, you, know, you know, developers who have not exactly worked well with the town. I do think one thing, though, is that when you and it was interesting you said about changing the name from affordable housing because we're really it's it is very there. There are two kinds of sort of I don't know say um, affordable housing, but there's subsidized housing and then there's affordable housing, and they're uh -huh. very very different. Mm -hmm. The subsidized housing is really geared toward people's income. It actually provides a subsidy, a payment mm -hmm. to, a, to for, for rent, and in some cases there is some very few like down payment assistance for for some first time home buyers. But it's a subsidy, and I think that you have to be really understand that. Um, it's very different than a, than a 40B where the developer is built is actually building more units than would be allowed, so that he can write down the rent costs on the ones that are that are quote unquote affordable. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, we're talking about affordable units at the higher end. Mm -hmm. So the rents on these units are not a thousand dollars. They're like more in the twenty five hundred, three thousand dollar range, depending on the size of the unit and the and the income limits. So and there's and it's a very big distinction between that and you know really mm -hmm. low income housing. Mm -hmm. uh, which both are needed, but I mean they 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 are very different, hitting a very different mar target in the market. Mm -hmm. 
It's it is really scary. I mean, I'm thinking right now of just the people who do call me, and you know, people who are just looking for rentals or anything like that. And you know, right now, what it's huge for investors. Investors are out there big. I mean, it's it's no surprise to me that the project that they're doing next door isn't for units for sale. They're units for rent because that's what the uh, the, that's what I'm seeing developers do now. They want uh, they're scooping up all these smaller homes themselves, and they're keeping them and they're renting them. And the reason why is. Like in Pembroke, I know um, actually one of my agents, he owns a property that is sectioned eight and um, it has three bedrooms. It's a small ranch. And I think they're getting like thirty two to thirty three hundred dollars a month. And that's subsidized. Yeah. So for an investor, that makes sense. Now you're not even, it's not even costing, you know, you put in a little bit of money, you have a mortgage and that rent is paying the mortgage plus. So that, but that's taking away. It's great that it's giving housing to the person who needs it, Section 8, but it's not doing anything for the person who wants home ownership. Right. No, and the other thing, too, to remind yourself is that the, the Section 8 budgets, the HUD budgets, have not increased very much. So mm-hmm. when the, when those fair market rents go up, where the, where the fair market rent is $3,300 for a ranch, that means that they can afford to pay rent on the, on one, but maybe not two. Yeah. So that people get more desperate, and those wait lists grow immensely because of that. They grow and grow and grow. Because you're also on the committee for um, housing authority. The housing authority. Housing and authority. I, and I've so spent most of my career in affordable housing, and I spend a lot of time working with projects in the Boston Housing Authority and stuff. So, it's a it's a it's a scary world out there for people who are mm-hmm. really low income. Very yeah. scary. And, too, I mean, I, I sort of hinted about what my show is going to be next week um, before we went on. And next week, we're going to be doing um, Homes in Transition. And it's, you know, divorce and death and things like that. And that's a big portion of people that I'm seeing that, you know, it's great when you have two incomes for one house. But now when you have two incomes for two separate houses, it becomes very, very right. difficult for people. So the town of Hanson, do you know what your number is for percentage-wise, where you are? We're just above, if I'm not mistaken, we're just above 4%. So wow. we're really, really low. Uh, and a lot of the impact for that is uh, uh, land development in Hanson is difficult with a lot of the um, like conservation that we have. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hanson is a bedroom community. Uh, there's not a lot of commercial uh, in Hanson, so the town really relies on its uh, independent home ownership, single lot, that, okay. that kind of Oh, pl- I've never heard that term before. Bedroom community. Bedroom yeah. community. Yeah, so Hanson's more residential than... Absolutely, 100%. Okay. Uh, just over 10,000 people. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, is, it is extremely important in Hanson, uh, the, the collaboration with our land use boards, having a strong ZBA, uh, having a great planning office, a great town hall, second floor you know, yeah. office space that, that understand the impacts. And then what has been great in Hanson is there's been a lot of recent collaboration amongst all the land use boards, as well as our uh, uh, select board, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and everybody kind of breaking down silos so that we can look at the impact of what these developments have uh, from a 10,000-foot overview, you know, from what's the impact on the EMS services, what's the impact on the schools, what's the impact on the water, you know, mm-hmm. Hanson's, Hanson's got town water, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, looking at that, when when we have a 40B that comes into town, it is a major impact, major impact, and we're finally getting to the point, we've had three that have come into the town of Hanson, and we're finally getting to the point now where we're actually able to see some statistical data of what that's going to have 
and future growth mm-hmm. enhancement of what it could happen to be, uh, whether it's uh, a good or neutral or yeah. negative, you know. Uh, so it's, it is extremely important that everybody takes the time to be able to look at that from a whole town approach instead of just not next to me, you know. That's yeah. it. So it's, it, it, and that's where Hanson's going. Mm-hmm. Hanson's going in that direction. Uh, as well as the fact that the, the town itself is starting to become very creative. Okay. Uh, uh, a lot of benefit to our town planner, Tony DeFrace, okay. for, be, for doing that. Yeah. He, he's really become very creative, and that's where that article that went before Tom and he came from. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Sure. Hey, I just Tim, want to add Tim I'm going to skip right through that commercial, okay? We're just going to keep oh, okay. going. You, you brought up the, 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 word, the, the phrase land use, and I'll be honest with you. At the, at the end of the day, the biggest issue with affordable housing has to do with land use. Because all of our towns down here have, you know, 40,000 square foot minimum lot size for single family homes, you know, massive subdivision roadways, all these things, which when you look at the actual land use policy, it really does not support building housing that's affordable. (laughs) Because if you have to have a lot that size, it limits how many obviously you can have. um, and And it breaks up the land to the point where you get undevelopable pieces that were for something that would be a larger type development. And it's a huge problem. Yeah, even little things. I know in the town of Pembroke, and I don't know what it is in Hanson or surrounding towns, but I remember when I was on ZBA, like, we don't even allow pork chop lots. No, we don't. Which, that's just crazy to me. I mean, what's it matter? I mean, we di- I do recall, though, we did give a variance for somebody um, on Plymouth Street, and it was family-owned. Mm-hmm. Family was across the street. Family mm-hmm. owned it. They had a bunch of land out back. They wanted to build for their daughter, and it was allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we, have oh, a we have a caller. Wonderful. Mm. Yes, we do. We have John in Marshfield. Hello, yeah, John hi, in Marshfield. Um, hi, hi. How are you guys doing today? Good. 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 Great. Hey, interesting show. Um, having gone through this process with my son, who bought a first-time home uh, during the pandemic, like a couple of years ago, it kind of opened my mind to uh, like what you're talking about in real life. And the thing that struck me was the least expensive houses require a pretty substantial income to buy. And like I noticed, like my son was looking like at half million dollar places at the time, and there were these huge bidding wars to get like the least expensive, not bad place. And if he spent like six hundred thousand, a much much nicer place was available. So what was happening was everybody who could stretch as far as they could go was going to five hundred, and there was like no market at six hundred because that wasn't good enough for the people who wanted like a really nice house. It, it struck me as like the market is just completely broken. And the, the thing I left wondering was why aren't like subsidies available for higher incomes? like in the real world where the cheapest houses are a lot more expensive than what's subsidized. I'm going to let our um, panelists take this one because I have my thoughts, but um, (laughs) why don't you talk about it? I think that one thing, and Sharon, you've said this too, that that people are buying emotionally as opposed to buying, you know, market value. value. And I think there's a couple other things. I think the other thing too is you have to always remind yourself that in the United States, Wealth building is based upon housing. 
Mm-hmm. And it's based upon owning a home. And so if you don't get in the market, your ability to actually build wealth and build assets is really very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, so and if you can look at people's you know, retirement money and things like that, it's, 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 it just isn't that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wealth building issue is a, is a big part. And I think that people do get desperate. People, um, The market has been reckless, John, to be yeah. quite frank with you. This is what I've been saying for two years. It's reckless. And it's so interesting because... I frequently will talk people out of selling their house because I just don't think it's a good idea for them. And I try to give people the best. I don't consider myself, oh, you call me and I just want to sell you a house or sell your house or help you buy a house. It's not that. It's like, let's look at this financially and what makes sense. So I'm telling people, my buyer clients, if they're looking at a $500,000 house and we know that there are going to be multiple offers on it, I will give them strategies on how they can get that house. But I always say, this is where I think the market value is of this house. If you choose to go over that, that's emotional. I have no gauge, no compass to tell anybody how much they want for that house. Now, the problem is what your son and what you were seeing between the $500,000 house and people, you know, 25 people bidding on it, getting up to $600,000. The problem is, is a lot of those people are the ones that could afford a $600,000 house, but they were getting outbid of those houses because people were going up to 700,000. So now your son was in a pool of people in the 500 list price range that really could afford 600. That's well, what was happening. Thing, I, I, I think you're true, but there's a, there's another side of that. The other side of that, there's there's a lot of people who stretched to the moon, don't qualify, and can't do the 600. So in the real world we're in, you have a massive number of people trying to get the least affordable, livable place, and they're... They should no. I, see, I disagree because they should be buying four hundred thousand dollars houses. They should be. But they, they should be. But it's right. There was been reckless. But, but it doesn't exist, and so this market mm-hmm. that exists right now. And I, oh, and on my street, it's interesting because one house, two houses, very similar. There's a, there was one that was on the market for five ninety five, which they priced under the market. It sold for six thirty five in a bidding water bar, and there was like traffic down the street of people waiting. Here's the interesting: a much nicer house. Bigger square footage, but more, more, better location for seven twenty-five. That I think is worth more than that. Sold for asking price, no bidding war, and took a little time. So you have this like squeeze of people who, to your point, should be spending four hundred. Are bar? They need a place to live. So that tells me the market is broken on the low to middle end. And I just when when you talk about subsidies. The people buying that at that house, like they need help, and the amount of money it costs to qualify for that is a very substantial income. Mm-hmm. But the thing, I think right? the problem- I mean, we're talking low income. We're talking middle to even upper income people at this interest rate at this level. Middle to upper middle income people need a subsidy to get, to get a decent house. Or that's, they need rich that's parents. That's the side of a broken <laughs> yeah. market. That's what we're seeing is people with rich parents. Yeah. Go ahead. I think mm-hmm. that then the other problem is, is that at the lower end, the land costs are driving up mm-hmm. the value of this real estate. Because I have right. looked at a few $500,000 houses with Sharon mm-hmm. uh, for a friend. <laughs> and what struck me was that <laughs> it wasn't the house that, quite frankly, to me, had the, the value. value. Mm-hmm. It had a nice lot. And I think that, that, that when you look at the, at the land values of your, and the land costs of a couple hundred thousand dollars a lot, 
you have to build a larger house on it mm -hmm. in order to recoup. So what's happened is until right. we as, a, as communities want to address this issue of land use, as Joe brought up, and say, you know what, it's okay to build a two-family house. It's okay to have a, a smaller lots than 40,000 square feet. Until we can do that, who needs a 40-foot front yard? Let's be honest. Whoever goes in a 40-foot front yard? Well, nobody because they're all well, working. That's what I'm saying. So yes. the thing is, there are things that are right. land use that we need to do that would actually drop some of these costs because if the land values were less, then the housing costs would be less. And there'd be bigger inventory. So I think that we, we as these towns, particularly down here on the South Shore, need to look at these, these, these zoning requirements and these single-family house requirements and make some big changes. I mean, mm -hmm. there are, interestingly enough, a, no, a number of developments in the South Shore, Marshfield included, Pembroke, mm -hmm. where they built smaller homes on smaller lots, and you know, they're all doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. And But we don't want to do that anymore, and that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. And the cost okay, of doing it. Because, so, because so many of these towns are either built out in terms of new development, developable lots, or close to build out level, what the developer would say to you is this, I get two, three, I, I just don't get much inventory. I don't get much chance to build. So when I do, I gotta make the most of it because I gotta pay my bills. So I can't put inexpensive houses with low profit margins. I can't build those because I can't get much land. So it's like this catch-22 where like everybody has a reason for what <laughs> the way it is. And what struck me is I've lived in other areas of the country that are, that that are just not as volatile and cyclical as the real estate market is here. And it strikes me that it's because these other markets are like normal free market markets. This is like such a heavily regulated, gamed market in terms of like limited availability, very tight zoning, all these restrictions. And what happens is no one moves, like the market gets frozen, there's no activity. And then just because of a lack of supply, the supply-demand thing just gets warped. Mm -hmm. And then every 20 years, it blows up. Like 1990, blow up. 2005, blow up. And it takes, it takes like a recession to get that and correct the market. Otherwise, it just floats with no inventory. And the low and inventory point, issue that we have, to, sorry to interrupt you too, is because you did mention something about rates, and I want to let you know that right now we have what we're calling the lock-in effect, and we have a lot of people, there are 70% of people in the United States right now that have a mortgage, um, their mortgage rate is less than 4%. Now they're up in the sevens, which when I bought my house in 1992, I think I, it was eight, you know, but people are seeing that as abnormal. And I think that one of the mistakes that was made was when those rates went down to two and a half, I mean, mine is like two. 2.375 or something. It's just ridiculous. But they should have made that only for purchase, not for a refi. Because that's why no one's leaving. It's They're locked in and there's no place they can go. Not even laterally. That's where you get that lender responsibility. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So sorry, John. I know that you're talking, so keep on with your thoughts there. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, and that just exacerbates the phenomenon I was talking about, which is lim the limited inventory is now limited by two factors. Number one, no one's losing their job. The unemployment rate is a 50-year high. Uh, 50 or low, rather. So no one's forced to sell. And it seems to me what, what drives inventory here, sadly, and no one wants to talk about this, what drives inventory here is recessions. 1990, 2008, massive unemployment, people have to sell, market prices come down. Like, we just, like, wait for these, <laughs> mm -hmm. these really traumatic events. And, and like you said, exacerbating the small inventory is the 
the fact now that the people with 3% mortgages, and my son locked in at 2.875, he's not going to be moving anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you have like a tight inventory market that's even tighter because people are locked into unusually low. Someone said that these are like 3,000-year low rates. <laughs> like, if you looked at what it cost to borrow, money. like a thousand free, It was free money. Free money. Free money. Yeah. That's what we were saying. This is free money. It's it was money. It was literally, it was really ridiculous. And one of the things, too, though, when you're talking about the builders, and it's, I don't think it's as much about an ROI situation as it is, this is real, it is very, very expensive. And this is what I want to talk to Joe about because he sits on the planning board in Hanson. The cost for a builder, now I do a lot of new construction. I have a 92 lot subdivision or unit subdivision in West Bridgewater and I'm going to be doing a 40 unit one in Hanson. I don't know if you know I'm the listing agent on that. Did I ever tell you that? No, you didn't. Yeah, so okay. I'm, I'm the one there. We have to change the name it's, of it, it's by okay. the way. Okay, it goes with the ZBA. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. go with the planning board. Okay, okay. perfect, yeah. There. But you know, the thing is that... What um, I just thought of it, by the way, so I'm sorry about that. I should have <laughs> so mentioned it before. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it, the cost to put the road in now, it, and I'm not talking about the, the, the asphalt itself, but just the cost of everything, the engineering, the, um, the, the utilities, the permitting, the, everything that goes along with that. In the last 10 years or last probably five to seven years, that has increased for the builders from about $625 per square foot to over 1000 it's doubled. So this is where a bigger problem is, Is and I don't blame a builder for not wanting to do it. I wouldn't either. I'm not going to spend three years mm-hmm. on a development to be equal. Right. I'd rather retire. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, you don't do that for fun. <laughs> and, then, and then you turn the table to the... Go ahead, John. Yeah, I was just going to say that the other thing is, I, it seems to me that, that, and again, my perspective is is not the area you're talking about, like in Hanson. I've been looking at places like Marshfield and granted, like Duxbury and Situate too. Mm-hmm. It looks like the houses that are going up are well over one million. And like, mm-hmm. I'm not exaggerating. Like, that's like the typical new house. That just seems, it, it feels like the town could be more restrictive in terms of permits that are allowed. Like, can you say <laughs> we need some stuff under a million dollars? I mean, but maybe not no, less restrictive, but more a more appeal, more opening. Like, hey, you don't right. have to have this 40 square lot subdivision, right? right. right? So, right. like, one of the subdivisions you're, I'm thinking about in Marshfield that I've sold to clients is, you know, up on Holly Hill, right? So, that's in Marshfield. Yeah. Over a million. And I know exactly what you're saying, right. you know, in Duxbury, over a million. And we have them here in Pembroke, no, over a million. I, I'm in West Bridgewater. Our, we just sold one recently for over, well, close to a million, you know? But it's because of the restrictions. I don't think it's the, the builder's it's, fault. That, yeah, it's all about zoning. It's all about, exactly right. Saying, oh, yeah, there's, there's million. No, that's just like the ordinary house. Yeah. It's, it's all about zoning. If, if you look back towards the post-World War II era, look where the Campanelli's mm-hmm. built. Mm-hmm. Look where they put in all of those, uh, you know, uh, concrete flat. Yeah, the Henrich Ranch, yeah, too, it's right? Like the ranch. Look where they built. Look in the areas that they were in. It was farmland, marshland. You know, but look what those right. are going for now. Look at that investment. But look yeah. what they did. It, they became, they were very creative mm-hmm. in looking at their zoning and finding out what they could do for the post-World War II families that were around the area. Mm-hmm. And that is something, too, is, you know, we also have two demographics looking for the same style of homes, right? Yeah. So I call it right-sizing when you're selling your big four-bedroom colonial, right? It's not a downsizing. It's not downer. It's just the right size for you right now. So we have those people. Then we have that first-time home buyer that wants to get into their first home, and it just tends to be the smaller ranches. So now we have two demographics looking for the same exact product. You know what? The right-sizer is the one that has the upper hand in that because they're selling their four-bedroom colonial, mm-hmm. ending up with a lot of equity. Now, one of 
of the things that's different from today versus some of the history you were bringing up in 2005 is we're not people think we're going to see all these foreclosures and the way you know with recession with people losing jobs and everything the problem that i see is if people start losing jobs things are going to be a little different than they were in 2005 because in 2005 it was zero money down 100 percent financing they didn't have their skin in the game they lost their job they left the keys on the counter what we're seeing now is people selling that one house to buy the other house rates were low putting all of their equity into that house you lose your job you have three hundred thousand dollars into that house you're not giving the keys over and ops you're also not refinancing because you're at 2.5 right so what do they do but you do have to sell your house and you end up getting 550 for the 750 thousand dollar house because you're moving to albuquerque and you take it you do walk away with a couple hundred thousand of equity the better example is 1990 where none of that stuff is true but you had just a garden variety really bad recession and what happened then is you had five years of very very no appreciation and you know 20 to 30 percent losses over four or five years and and that's that could be real um but you're right we we, we didn't we're, we're not going through a subprime crisis where people will make money by turning in the keys the mm-hmm. way they did in 2008 yeah and too that thing but, but, is but what the, you were saying sell the 700 best to open this up because because of 3.4 percent unemployment no one's moving and there's nothing available. Mm-hmm. And, 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 the, and to your point, what's available, the, the seller is completely in charge. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want. You're going to pay it? Fine. If not, Someone see else you later. Will. Someone else will. Yep. Well, John, you brought up some really great points, and I think like you sort of get me firing inside because I really think it comes down to zoning. And I don't have anybody from the zoning board on this uh, show with me today, so we're just going to beat up the zoning board. Well, actually, 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 it's the planning board because zoning board is the yeah. zoning board of appeals, yeah. And the planning board is the one who makes the zoning right. recommendations and zoning and plans for the, how, how land use is All done. Right, then we're going to beat Joe up. So That's I right. would just beat Joe up. again. <laughs> would you let ding, you want to do the right the right uh, the right thing? But yeah. but it's also educating people. Yeah. Right. Because people have this idea that they really need this large lot. I mean, look, if you're a gardener like I am and you right. garden every square foot, that's one thing. But like I said, no, most people never even use their yards. Which is why the 40Bs, I mean, I have done several 40Bs and I've done the 55 plus, I've done all. And a lot of times people do like that smaller lot because they mm-hmm. don't. You know what? Both mom and dad, mom and mom, dad and dad, whoever it is, the kids, you know, they're working. They don't want... And then on the weekends, they have to do the food shopping. They have to, you know, clean soccer. the house. Soccer, baseball, all these other things that they're doing and responsible for. And the birthday parties. I mean, those are out of mm-hmm. hand, I hear, with the young kids. So <laughs> that's that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to be in the yard nope. just playing with... It. And honestly, I have 1.36 acres at my house. I, some, I look out my window some mornings and I was like... Oof. Like, even just last weekend, it was just like, what are we going to do here? But our local landscaping companies are loving it. They are loving it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do have somebody and that comes you, and cuts yeah, my yeah, lawn. Yeah. But you I'm have, like, the most it. beautiful <laughs> yard. <laughs> I appreciate you doing the show because when you ask people what the biggest problems of the state are, housing is in the top two or three, and people mention it right away. And what, what struck me is it's the big, big problem that everybody admits to that nobody wants to deal with. It's the only problem I know that people like just, we know it's a problem, but like, well, hopefully it'll get better. Like all of the problems we address, this is like the problem we admit that we just kind of don't want to admit we want to deal with. 
There's so many difficulties, though, John. There's so many facets of it. Uh, when you when you really go to a ten thousand overview, ten thousand foot right. overview, there's so much. And and then and then you have. Uh, you know, you have old Beacon Hill cramming down each individual state, uh, each individual town with regulation that we just, you just can't, it's Can not realistic. Can we talk realistic. about that? Let's talk about the but, MBTA but I, but thing. I, but yeah. I think the other thing, too, though, is that we have to be honest. That's a whole that, other show. That there's mm-hmm. a, yeah, there's a whole other show. <laughs> Good, there then is, you'll come back. <laughs> there's, there's a history here of why the housing market is the way it is, sure. too. I mean, I think we can't overlook the 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 sort of the, uh, the evolution of housing within the city of Boston itself, mm-hmm. which really drove sort of the, the, the triple-deckers and things like that. And then when people moved out of the city, they didn't want to have the triple-deckers in, mm-hmm. the, in their neighborhood. They didn't want that. And then there was a whole issue of redlining. I mean, there's a lot of factors mm-hmm. that went into creating this morass of housing, of the lack of housing that we have right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, you know, when you look at older cities or you look at places like the West Coast, like California, the D.C. area, New York area, these problems exist in all of these areas. But a lot of it was driven by the way that the city itself was was occupied. And if you look at even the history of public housing, when they took the income limit, the income, uh, uh, the, the limits in terms of how much you could earn off public housing, it changed the whole demographic. It changed the way that was it was mm-hmm. it was uh, uh, used and everything else. And that became a wedge to build some of these, you know, the post World War II, um, you know, little plats and developments that were done. So it's a, the history of housing in these areas, especially in the Northeast, is really. Um, it, it, it set the context for the mess that we have right now. I want you to, can you can we create a course together and do we, something? We should. We should I, I would that, really yeah, like yeah. to do that because I think yeah. it's so interesting. And again, you know, as a real estate agent, I'm seeing this, I'm on the front lines. We're, we're, I, I, and I, when I tell you how terrible I feel for my clients, I just like... I can't tell you to pay any more for this house because this is where yeah. the, this is the market value of it. This is all emotions. I don't have a compass for that. And we only have seven minutes left. And one of the things I really want to talk about, and John, was there any other pinpoints? Just feel free to stay on here with us. But I definitely want to talk to Joe about the new article that yes. was passed in Hanson because will that help? And I want to know all the details. So will that Yeah, the one thing I was going to mention, too, okay. on top of everything you mentioned, <laughs> half of the market... The entire eastern suburbs is occupied by fish. <laughs> and, and that's a problem, too. Yeah. Right? And they're, they're gaining on us. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, John. I'm going to have to use that another time, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, listen, i got to rub it. But th- thank you very much thank for you. doing thank a great show. Thanks for calling, John. Great content. Content. Yes. Thanks, John. Yeah, great, thank great you. topic. Right. Thank you. So you asked, will it help? Will the so the detached detached accessory apartments? That's what mm-hmm. the, the, the uh, new zoning changes. Are they specifically help? apartments? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, detached accessory apartments. Mm-hmm. So tell us detached exactly what it is. Like, what it, how much square footage can it be? Does uh, it have to be family? You tell us all. Of yeah, nine hundred square feet. So uh, so it's completely detached. It has to be uh, uh, autonomous from from the main structure. Uh, so it has to be on the same lot as the single family dwelling, uh, located as a detached structure. So a garage, a barn, a carriage house, anything like a chicken coop or a greenhouse, you know, that just doesn't work. Uh, it's in, in our residential A and our double A and our B districts only. Uh, so the, the purpose of it and the reason for it uh, is to, you know, create a balanced, diverse population, uh, you know, income mix where you get seniors mm-hmm. and, and then the younger mm-hmm. generation coming through to be able to have a place to go. Uh, there, there's heavy heavy rules and regulations just like all, all the building mm-hmm. you know it's not like somebody could just lift up a garage and say i'm going to have an apartment up above so it's mm-hmm. it's it's applicable to all 
you know, uh, septic, uh, uh, you know, building codes, safety regulations. So let me that. ask you that. So does it ha- can it tie into the house? The or does it have to have its own septic? No, it will tie into the existing tie septic. In. So that's one of the heavier regulations mm-hmm. is that you have sure. to have the space, yeah. uh, fifteen you know, hundred gallon, you know, that kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. you, you you do have to be able to realize can't have two septics on one mm-hmm. on one lot. You know, but does uh, it have to be forty square feet? Does it have to be a forty square foot lot? Forty thousand. Uh, it our lots are thirty thousand to forty thousand, so it would be on existing lots. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So thirty thousand and forty thousand. So okay. it, it would be on an existing lot. And the, the purpose behind it all of it, and what was kind of driving this, is we actually had some residents in Hanson that came to the town and asked about the, this very specific. Uh, all of our in-law type mm-hmm. apartments. There's a lot of regulation where it has to be attached to the building. And mm-hmm. People want to have that separation. Yeah. You want to be able to have that little private spot, you know, the, uh, now I'm going to age myself, you know, the Fonzie, yeah. you know, up above the garage, yeah. you know, so, so and that's what I was saying at town meeting. I was calling it, you know, the Fonzie article, but that's yeah. what you want to be able to have. You want to be able to have that separation. But at the same time, you know, we understand that, um, you know, that, that, uh, that people have, by having that separation, what it's allowing them possibly to do is, as John was saying, not sell and move away. Because you can stay with your family. You've got your home security. If you're a senior, you can pass down the main structure to maybe your younger Uh family and then stay on property and have that security of having family close by. Or a a young college student just Uh a few towns away going to that wonderful Bridgewater State University where they want to commute back and forth but not have to worry about coming down from the city to go. Uh, So it's it's be able to have that look later. And at the same time, being respectful of the town of Hanson itself. It is, the, like I was saying earlier on, a bedroom community. Uh, you know, one-acre lots, you know, those that very quintessential New England-type uh-huh. farmhouse. To talk about some of the things that needs to come back, fishing and farming, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so to have that, to be, able to, to be able to really encapsulate that inside and have the proper regulations so that we can grab onto what's already happening mm-hmm. you know some of the stuff and i'm not looking to toss toss anybody under but some of this is already happening in our local towns so we mm-hmm. have all that and there's a lot of um a lot of infractions that are have concerns uh, i'm sure that our ems services when they find out that there's a propane tank somewhere you know it's a concern mm-hmm. you know so uh, by having that regulation and not trying to overregulate, certainly not trying to but by having that and being able to develop this new zoning change we're able to change a little bit of the town Certainly not to go from 4% to 10%, and then we say, okay, we're all set for affordable housing, but be able to add to some of what we're trying to do in Hanson and be respectful to everybody across the board, the citizens themselves, the town departments, and, 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 and try to grab some of this affordability. So some, those units will count towards your affordable? No, no, no. They they won't. That's okay. the, we're going to try to see future on down the road. We're going to try to see if we can get some of that regulation changed. Okay. So it's 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 going to be that's going to be the next. If we find enough units are being built and this really is attractive, and we find it, ha- we'll put our attentions on to making requests through local legislation to possibly get that so we can we can okay. grab onto that. And what about does it have to be family? And we only have three minutes left. I can't believe it, but I hope that you will come <laughs> back so we can talk about the MBTA to stuff mm-hmm. too as well. Um, but what about does it have to be family? that's living in that unit? It, it doesn't have to be family members. So the, the, the owner of the single family house uh, it has to occupy the dwelling units 
uh, must occupy the structure full time for minimum of eighteen months for the twenty four month period. Either so either structure. That's that's the home ownership. That's the main structure. The main structure. The, main the structure, homeowner yeah. has to be so, in that. So you can't be uh, snowbirders going away and just leave the property yep. to to your you know renters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when the owners aren't present, you know the the uh, main occupancy must remain vacant. You couldn't snowbird and then rent out your existing main dwelling. So we really went through a lot of mm-hmm. thought. There was a lot of thought mm-hmm. put into the protections of of this mm-hmm. article going before town meeting, and it did pass. We're very happy about that. You're gonna leave that with me. I can. I can okay, absolutely. Perfect. That yeah, was I tried looking for. Because what I think is interesting too is um, there is a unit in Pembroke and it is it, it's legal because it, they have all the paperwork and it is separate from the house. And ours in Pembroke definitely are not like that, and most communities are not. Right. Um, but to me, I was like, this is this is much better than having somebody like really attached to your house. And this is like, won't you be my neighbor? This is our outgoing music. So, I'm sorry, but you will come back. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Do you yeah. think that something like this should be in Pembroke? I do think it should be in Pembroke. I mean, it actually, we permitted one of the detached uh, in-law with a with a with a with a, with a, with a uh, variance at one point. Yeah. I so do I think. I do think. When I, was I do in. think. I, I also don't think that we need to limit it to nine hundred. I know. All right, so we're going to have to take this up another time. I'm going to get together with our um, with our guests, and we'll plan yep. another show. And you yep. want to give everyone our outro here? Yeah, if you want to listen to any of our past shows, talkrealestateroundtable.com. Go to bostonconnect.com to find all of our contact information. Um, and yeah, you yeah. can listen to any of our shows. But li- re- re-listen to this one. Yeah, re- this was a good one. Thank you. And I'll call it John. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We have so much to talk about, though. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? WATD FM Marshfield, WBMS Brockton.